Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me by ordering the memoir of Brian Grant and his battle with young-onset Parkinson's called Rebound. If you know someone with Parkinson's, or you know nothing about Parkinson's, you will want to read Brian's story. Order your copy on Amazon, or visit your favorite brick-and-mortar bookstore to grab one. Are you a Kindle reader? Audiobook listener? We've got those versions as well. Support Brian's foundation, which supports those afflicted with Parkinson's, and pick up your copy today. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. It didn't take long for the rumors to start about how LeBron James, reduced to sitting in a courtside seat and watching Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks put the finishing touches on a championship and soak themselves in champagne. The rumors of how LeBron James planned to get the spotlight back on him and the Lakers. Chris Paul and the Suns had not touched down back in Phoenix after losing Game 6 before the rumors began, courtesy of former Laker Magic Johnson's Twitter feed connecting CP3 with the Lakers. That was soon followed by a report from Mark Spears of the Undefeated, in which he said there has been some discussion of a sign-and-trade that would send... Dennis Schroeder, Talon Horton Tucker, and Kyle Kuzma to the Wizards for Russ Westbrook. If that sounds like a lot to give up for Russ Westbrook, it's necessary to make the salaries match, unless the Wizards are willing to take on Schroeder making $40 million a year, and the fact that the Lakers don't have any surplus first-round picks to add to the deal. I'd heard of the potential of Schroeder being sent to the Wizards in a sign-and-trade deal for Westbrook as well, but I haven't been able to confirm just how serious the talks are. One takeaway from all this is that the Lakers seem ready to move on from Schroeder. I'm told it's not his play as much as his personality that has turned off the Lakers, and it's not the first time I've heard that to be the case with Schroeder and a team. I have a soft spot for him, having done an in-depth story on him when he was with the Hawks and learned about his background. He was born to a Gambian mother and a German banker, for a father and grew up in Germany. His first love was skateboarding and he only started dabbling with basketball because there was an outdoor court next to the skate park. 
Oh, and he's Muslim. I'm fascinated by people who have grown up in such a cross-current of cultures. Another takeaway is that the Lakers have now entered the same place with LeBron that the Spurs found themselves in with Tim Duncan in his twilight years. As in, can we land a veteran who will allow us to squeeze one more championship run out of our proven superstar? That's what led the Spurs signing or led to the Spurs signing LaMarcus Aldridge in 2015 to a four-year $80 million deal. Duncan and Aldridge played one year together before Duncan retired, and they made it to the second round of the playoffs. The following year, the Spurs, with Aldridge and Kawhi Leonard as their new dynamic duo, along with holdover champions Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker, made it to the conference finals, where Leonard unfortunately came down on Zaza Pachulia's foot in game one, resulting in the Warriors sweeping San Antonio in four games. Now, Aldridge was not the Spurs' first choice on the free agent market. Mark Gasol was, and it's easy to see why. First of all, San Antonio has always loved international foreign players. Manu, Tony, Boris Diaw, etc. Also, Gasol as a playmaker and as a big who is comfortable shooting, passing, all-around player. Uh, and pretty many, mentally tough. Demonstrated that, certainly winning a championship with the, with the Raptors. But Gasol made it clear he wasn't leaving Memphis. And so the Spurs went with the next best option. Basically, squeezed their eyes shut and convinced themselves, well, we've got the money for a free agent. Let's go ahead and spend it. From the start, LaMarcus always seemed like an odd fit for Pop and the Spurs. He is highly sensitive, particularly when it came to being respected as a star. One of his coaches told, once told me that when LaMarcus came into his office, he checked to see what photos he had displayed of players on the team, if there were any of him and how they were displayed. That's not how a Pop operates. He is famous for treating Duncan, Ginobili, and Parker the same way he did the 12th man when it came to doing the dirty work or making sacrifices for the team in their game uh, or simply yelling at them. And with Kawhi on the team, there was no way LaMarcus was going to get top billing. I always got the sense that Aldridge and Pop tolerated each other. For Aldridge, it was Damian Lillard was in Portland. He knew he was not going to be the star there anymore. Why not go home? Go home to Texas where he starred at the University of. Let me, let me see if the grass is greener on the other side. Now, the Spurs did ultimately sign him to a two-year extension after that four-year deal was up, but I'm convinced that was because they didn't have any better options if they wanted at least to stay competitive, and neither did he. I feel the same way about Russell Westbrook joining the Lakers. Does he fit? Does he fit with what they need and where they want to go. Yes, the Lakers need another playmaker. Yes, Westbrook is a fierce competitor with a load of postseason experience and has shown a willingness to accommodate playing alongside another star or stars. He did it with KD and James Harden in OKC. He did it again in OKC with Paul George and Carmelo Anthony. Then in Houston with Harden and has been doing it in Washington with Bradley Beal. 
Westbrook is not, contrary to popular belief, a selfish player. Someone who's just hunting for statistics. Does he hunt for triple doubles or complete triple doubles? Yeah, I'm not going to argue with that if he knows he needs an extra rebound or assist to get a triple-double, that he's going to go looking for it. But overall, is it just about the statistics for him? I do not believe so, no matter what you might have heard. His problem is that he doesn't know how to seamlessly blend his game with someone else's. It's either get out of the way for the other star or take over. And in compiling the triple-doubles, he can go either way. He can be the scorer, or he can be the assist maker and the rebounder. And he can go head-on, as he always does, in either direction, and pile up a lot of numbers. The thing is, when Russ takes over, his answer to struggling or high-pressure situations is to play faster. And seeing as he already plays at a pace that is hard for other players to keep up with, it throws him out of sync with everyone around him. He's also a spur-of-the-moment decision-maker, often not making the final choice of whether to pass or shoot until he's flying through the air. So playing faster and giving himself even less time to make those spur-of-the-moment decisions is not going to end up with a lot of good decisions. He's also not particularly effective without the ball. All of that, makes him a problematic running mate for LeBron, who also isn't very effective without the ball. When he does have the ball, he operates best with players who know how to read him and what he has in mind and putting themselves in position accordingly. That's exactly how Russ plays at his best. What Russ does give you is similar to Aldridge in that he's a player to pair with your remaining star, Anthony Davis, if LeBron decides to hang it up in the next year or so. Now, I know he's talked about the dream of playing a year with his son, Bronny, but I wonder if it's dawning on him that that might not be in the cards. Bronny had his sophomore year cut short by a torn meniscus, but he has yet to show that he inherited his father's freakish size and athleticism. He's currently listed as a 6'2", 165-pound combo guard. That combo guard tag is always a little troubling for any player, especially at an early age. It means they don't pass or handle the ball well enough to be a point guard, and they don't shoot or score it well enough to be a pure two. Now, I haven't watched a lot of Bronny. I can just tell you the people who have and have watched his AAU team and his high school team will tell you that he's not... He's not the best player on either the AAU team or his high school team. And certainly that was the case with LeBron coming up. And then there's just the whole weight of being LeBron's son and what the expectations are. So if Bronny doesn't make it or it becomes clear, Bronny is just at best a very good collegiate player, which I'm sure he, he will be. He'll play in college. I can't see LeBron sticking around the NBA for any other reason. Surely being a guy still in the league, but reduced to watching other teams and players compete for the title would not be appetizing to him. And I know he's got a shot at being the all-time scoring leader, 
But there's always been a weird thing about LeBron. While he's certainly conscious of his statistics, I don't know that statistics alone would be enough for him to stick around. In the simple fact that he could have been Russ Westbrook 10, 10 times over in terms of triple doubles. If he really wanted to go for that. There's a, there's a strange, as I said, it's strange with LeBron. Because on one hand, I know for a fact he looks at box, box scores. He looks at his percentages. He looks at his numbers. But there's also a guilt complex of, I can't make it all about my numbers. As I said, it's weird. Now, Chris Paul would be a slightly better option than Westbrook, short term, but only slightly. While he's a far better decision maker than Westbrook, he's nowhere near as explosive. He's still a better defender than Westbrook, despite the four-year age difference, because he works at it more than Russ. But the Bucks still exploited him plenty. And that's where the Lakers will truly miss Schroeder if they move on from him. He was tenacious on D and a big reason why their defense continued to be one of the best in the league, even with AD and LeBron on the shelf with injuries. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The harsh reality is that the Lakers championship window has closed. Just as the Warriors has. But both teams have a fan base that see the names of stars that were part of championships and are convinced that with just the right ancillary pieces, they could recapture their championship form. The problem is twofold. The stars that won those titles are being paid like champions now, not championship hopefuls. The Warriors had the most expensive roster in the league this year. That limits the ability to sign additional talent that is championship worthy the way, say, the Warriors were able to add Andre Iguodala and Sean Livingston and David West and, of course, Kevin Durant. Or the Lakers were able to add Contavious Caldwell-Pope and Markeith Morris and Danny Green. I've heard some Warriors fans believe they were close to landing Nick Batum before he signed with the Clippers, as if that would have made some major difference with their team. First of all, I don't know how that it was all that close. This is what happens when you're, on a te- you're a team on the rise, like the Clippers, versus a team on the decline, like the Warriors. Vets hunting to be part of a potential championship team are going to choose the team on the rise. The Bucks are now in the driver's seat when it comes to that. The Warriors, once upon a time, were on the beneficial side of that equation, but now they're on the other side of it. Two, those stars that won those championships are not the same. Steph Curry had a phenomenal season, but can he replicate it with Klay Thompson back in the lineup? And other than scoring and shooting at a, an amazing clip, was he in championship form all the way around? I would push back on that. I understand that the, it may seem counterintuitive to a lot of fans, 
that like how can clay being back hinder steph wouldn't it make everything easier seeing as he's going to draw more attention than kelly Oubre or andrew wiggins isn't he going to knock down more open shots than either of those guys he should but clay being back means steph isn't likely to average a career high of nearly 22 shots a game with more than half of them threes all producing a career high 32 point average and statistically Andrew Wiggins' offensive production this year was not that far off from what Clay produced the last time we saw him. Clay made 40% of his threes. Wiggins shot 38%. Clay averaged 21.5 points a game. Wiggins averaged 18.5. I just get the sense out there that there's this belief that Clay Thompson is this major, major upgrade from Andrew Wiggins and in some intangible ways I would say if he's the old clay yes I'm taking him every day all day over Andrew Wiggins but if we're just talking purely production and how it might change the Warriors I don't know how significant clay's return is going to be if Wiggins is not here or Wiggins has a reduced role because that's the other thing it takes a certain talent to be efficient in smaller and lesser minutes with fewer shots. I don't know that Wiggins is capable of that after being a mainstay on every team that he's played for. Where I'm most concerned is if Clay can still be the two-way player that he once was or have the two years and two major injuries affected him particularly as a defender he was an elite two-way player arguably the best two-way two-guard in the league now i'm sure he'll still be good but can he be elite and then there's the ancillary pieces this notion that any old players will do ben simmons or eric gordon or demontis sabonis just give me an all-star it's painfully oblivious to how perfectly the skill sets of Iguodala, West, Livingston, and Andrew Bogut fit with the team's core. None of which were perennial all-stars. It wasn't about how good individually they were. It was about how well they, their skill sets and their personalities and their willingness to fit their games around the stars. That's what made the difference. Can Sabonis affect the game as a passer and shot blocker the way Bogut did? Now, I love Sabonis's game. I think he's a heady player. I think he's tough. But the dynamic of how his game would fit with what the Warriors have, I need to see it because it doesn't instantly ring the bell for me. Can Eric Gordon be a playmaker and defender on the level of Iguodala? If we're talking making the playoffs, then yeah, add more talent, then you probably get there. But if you're talking about returning to championship form, it matters how the pieces fit together. Look at the Bucks; They've had a loaded roster for years, but it was talent that did not mesh until this season. By the way, I suspect the Warriors front office and ownership understands all this. Not so sure about the Lakers. It would be franchise suicide to go all in 
and deal the Warriors two first-round draft picks and rookie big man James Wiseman to land a veteran talent that can help make a run at another title right now. There's not a talent out there readily available that assures that. Even such notable talents as Bradley Beal or Damian Lillard, and those are such remote long shots for a multitude of reasons, that they shouldn't be considered as viable right now. But even those make the Warriors an explosive offensive team that couldn't stop anyone from getting to the rim at will. And again, if we're talking championship, consider how the Bucks wound up with their title. Not with Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton and Giannis shooting lights out every game, but with elite defense from those three. Elite defense and exceptional playmaking by Giannis and Drew. Because that's what the Warriors, once upon a, once upon a time, could rely on as well. Not just an explosive offense, but one of the best defenses in the league as well. Same goes for the Lakers. I don't say any of this to rain on anyone's parade, just to temper expectations. As the free agent rumors heat up, the Warriors and Lakers are sure to be mentioned as in the mix. And just maybe, one or both may pull off a deal that lands them an interesting name. Maybe even an all-star. Whether that does or does not happen, it is hard to imagine an addition or additions that would significantly change the trajectory of those two teams. Consider the pieces the Lakers added last summer that were supposed to make them better than the bubble team. How did that work out? The Warriors have been churning through players who were supposedly going to be part of the next championship core. D'Angelo Russell, Andrew Wiggins, Willie Cauley-Stein, Marquise Chris. I know I'm talking like Andrew Wiggins is already gone, and he's probably more likely to stay. Kelly Oubre, more likely to go. Now James Wiseman, a year in, is expendable after being the answer a year ago. Could a move make the Warriors something more than an eighth seed bounced in the play-in format? Sure. Or the Lakers something more than a seventh seed bounced in the first round by the eventual Western Conference champions? Sure. Make either of them the best team in the league again? Think about how far-fetched that sounds based on what we saw this season and the options available to them to improve. And the cycle of players that already carried high hopes that didn't pan out. I know, I know, the Phoenix Suns made just that kind of a leap. From not making the playoffs for the last 10 years to being in the finals. So, why couldn't it happen again? Well, as we all know, there were an extraordinary set of circumstances that created that opportunity. The Lakers injuries, the Nuggets injuries, the Clippers injuries, and combination of talent that came together and fit pretty damn well. A Chris Paul arrives, a Jay Crowder arrives with a coach that has the ability to connect with those veterans as well as some pretty talented young players. I don't see that sort of extraordinary thing. Uh, maybe it could happen, but to count on it for either the Warriors and the Lakers. Now you're counting on things that go well beyond 
just adding a piece or two. It takes years to get the championship formula right. Be glad that the Warriors and Lakers, not that long ago, did exactly that. And stop clinging to the idea that they're destined to do it again anytime soon. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United WeCast Network. I almost said rain on the parade, but I wasn't doing that. Just being realistic. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Maybe I was being a little too realistic for some, but hey, that's what we do here. We don't play favorites. We don't play pie in the sky. We just live in reality, projecting my experience and what knowledge I have of what's going on and what's possible with figuring out what's going to happen in the future. All right. What's going to happen in the future is that all of you, every single one of you is going to rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. And in the next podcast, man, we we still have a lot to unpack when it comes to the Bucks. Uh, there's a lot of conversation about where Giannis is in, and I mentioned it, the podcast to go. Where does he stand? Does he go into next season as an all-time great? Can we... Are we going to see a dynastic run from the Milwaukee Bucks? And if not, who's poised to get in their way? Those are some of the potential topics coming up as I have decided that I will continue, at least for the time being, to do a daily podcast, largely because of the response. You guys have been great in letting me know how much you've enjoyed this format and this regularity. So for you, I'm going to continue to do it. In the meantime, as always... Thanks for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 